Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Ship show. Well, I'm on vacation this week, but I did take a little time out to listen to Janet Yellen's semi-annual Humphrey Hawkins testimony. You know, she gets up on Capitol Hill and she testifies first before the Senate. That was yesterday. And then today she was before the House. You know, it used to be a lot more interesting when Ron Paul uh, was on the House uh, Banking Committee, and you could see Ron Paul asking all these questions to Ben Bernanke. I really would like to hear Ron Paul questioning Janet Yellen, but unfortunately, we don't have that opportunity. You know, I wish Rand, I mean, Rand, if he was on the Banking Committee in the Senate, he might have been able to ask some interesting questions himself to, uh, to Janet Yellen. Also, of course, the big news, we are on the eve of the Brexit vote, in the UK, it's going to be on Thursday, and I'm not sure what time the polls close, but the uh, you know polls that they've been having as far as to try to gauge investor sentiment show that the Remain camp is uh, firmly in the lead, I think. The betting certainly shows, if you look at the, uh, the online betting for will there be a Brexit or will they, will they stay, the Remain camp seems to be in the lead, but I've read that it's mainly because of the money. More money is being bet on Remain but more people are betting on leave. Probably, though, the Remain uh, votes will carry the day. That's normally how it works. The forces of big government are very hard to overcome these days. And, of course, uh, nowhere is big government better exemplified than with the Federal Reserve, which is a combination of big government and central planning or central banking. And, you know, Janet Yellen's testimony, I thought was 
relatively boring, and I'm going to go over some of the more important tidbits. You know, I was tweeting out as I was watching it, both yesterday and today, I sent out some tweets, and if you don't subscribe to my Twitter, I don't know if you don't call it subscribe, what is it, you follow somebody on Twitter? So if you're not following me, you should follow me. I've only got 76,500 followers on Twitter, not as many as I have on the other social media. I think I've got about 111,000 or so Facebook likes. My YouTube channel seems to be my most popular. In fact, I just crossed over 149,000 subscribers to my YouTube channel. So we'll hit a milestone probably in the next couple of weeks, I guess, of 150,000 subscribers. So if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, maybe you can help put me over the top of the 150,000. But I really ought to have a million people listening to my YouTube uh, channel. So if you are if you are a subscriber, get your buddies to sign up. We really should be spreading the word because there's so much nonsense out there in the mainstream media. More people need to be listening to, uh, to my podcast. I don't like to just preach to the converted. You know, I want to get some new converts. So you guys got to help introduce new people to my social media, in particular, my YouTube channel, because that's where, you know, I really explain things that are going on, like with, uh, with Janet Yellen. And of course, uh, Janet Yellen, both days of testimony, she continues to pretend, uh, or whether she's pretending or not, either she's clueless or she just, uh, you know, is lying. But she keeps on talking about this recovery being on track. She mentions that there might be a little soft patch in the labor market that she believes to be transitory. And so, you know, she just wants to wait a little bit longer, but we're on the road to recovery and the rate hike is just around the corner. Maybe it's a bigger corner than she used to think, but we're going to round that corner and we're going to end up at these rate hikes. And again, all this is nonsense. I think if the Fed were going to raise rates, they would have already done so. There was one of the, uh, I forget if it was a senator or a, Congress or a House member that asked uh, Janet Yellen about the box that the Fed might be in because the fact that rates are still so low, what is Yellen going to do? What tools do they have left to fight off the next recession? And Janet Yellen was very confident in her reply. She said, well, we have all the tools that we've always had, which is true. They still have those tools. The problem is the tools have never worked. And all they are is cutting rates, which obviously they, they can't cut them very much if they barely raise them. But they can print all the money they want. They can do another QE4. It could be bigger than QE3. It probably will be. And even though Janet Yellen, in response to a direct question about negative interest rates, said that she didn't think the Fed would go there, well, we'll see. When push comes to shove, they may be more willing to go there than they are admitting right now because they still want to pretend that uh, the, the recovery is on track. So why even bring up negative rates when you're talking about raising rates? So I think once the conversation turns, uh, then re- negative rates may be a more serious consideration. It was funny. I thought that one of the congressmen asked about Puerto Rico. You know, what, what are you going to do about Puerto Rico? Can the Fed do anything about Puerto Rico? And Janet Yellen basically said, no, there's really nothing we could do Puerto Rico is kind of on its own. They got to, you know, take care of themselves. I wish the Fed would have had the same attitude about the U.S. government or about the, the mortgage market. See, apparently the Federal Reserve has no problem buying up toxic mortgages, but they wouldn't touch a Puerto Rican sovereign debt with a 10-foot pole 
uh, which you know <laughs> leads you to believe how risky must that Fed be that that paper be if the Fed, which basically will buy anything, you know, it's they're like it's like life life cereal, you know, uh, Janet Yellen, yeah, she'll buy anything, but she won't buy Puerto Rican sovereign debt. But I wish you know the Fed did the same thing for the U.S. government, forced the U.S. government uh, to make those tough choices. In fact, there was a House member today that basically talked to Janet Yellen about uh, the independent central banks. And Janet Yellen kind of bluffed that if interest rates went up and that was a problem for Congress, which, of course, it would be a problem for Congress, that Congress would have to deal with that problem. I don't believe her for a second. I believe that one of the reasons specifically that Janet Yellen doesn't want to raise rates is because she knows that will complicate the budget situation in Washington because the federal government can't afford to pay higher interest rates. You know, if the, if, the, if the Federal Reserve already bailed out the government by doing QE and buying all these bonds, why are they going to change course? I don't believe for a second Janet Yellen's talk, tough talk about how independent the Federal Reserve is and how if the situation warranted it, they would raise interest rates and Congress would have to deal with the consequences. There's no way that the Fed is going to do that. I mean, the Fed is going to cooperate, and maybe she fooled some of the people on uh, at that subcommittee, but she didn't fool me. You know, what? A, interesting, of course, she always gets these questions about jobs and how you're going to create jobs. And Janet Yellen talks about the fact that, hey, my job at the Fed is to help create jobs. How can the Federal Reserve create jobs? I mean, what can they do? I mean, we're, I mean in order to have jobs, I mean, you need uh, capital, you need a profit motive, uh, you need an entrepreneur, uh, you, need, you, you need certain things have to come into existence in order for there to be, be jobs. What does the Fed have? The Fed doesn't have anything. What do they do? They print money? They buy government bonds? They manipulate interest rates? None of that has anything to do with job creation. I mean, maybe it creates jobs for the people running the presses, although we don't really have the presses anymore. Uh, but there's nothing the Federal Reserve does that really creates jobs. I mean, if the Federal Reserve gave us sound money, then we'd have a sounder economy, and that sound economy would produce jobs. But there's nothing directly that the Fed can do to create jobs, yet Janet Yellen likes to pretend that she can. But, you know, what really aggravates me is when you get uh, the uh, minority uh, congressman or congresswoman, right, whenever there is a woman, uh, or if it's black, whether it's a guy or, uh, or a gal, the question is always about race. It's always, what are you doing about black unemployment? What are you doing about the, uh, the wealth divide between black and white? As if there's anything the Federal Reserve can do. I mean, they can't pinpoint their monetary policy at a particular ethnic group, at a particular gender. I mean, that's what the Federal Reserve can say. Oh, yeah, we really need to do something about black unemployment. So let's print a little extra money. I mean, how? I mean, they can't target it. They don't know where it's going to go. Uh, they're going to lower interest rates. How do they, how do they siphon that? to uh, banks that are making loans to blacks? I don't know. I mean, it, it's always ridiculous that you get these questions about the Fed. And then, of course, you get these diversity questions. You get uh, the minority uh, congressman asking the Fed, why don't we have more blacks running the, 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 uh, the, the member banks? Or why don't we have more women? Meanwhile, we got a woman who was in the top spot. Isn't that good enough? We got uh, chairman is, is a woman. But apparently, there's still not enough uh, X chromosomes uh, over at the uh, FOMC, and we need some more blacks or some more Hispanics. How is that going to change? I mean, is, do the people asking these questions really think that black bankers or female bankers are going to come to different decisions 
as to what the appropriate level of interest rates is? I mean, do they really think that your, uh, your feeling on rear rates should be is somehow influenced by your gender or your ethnicity? I mean, it's ridiculous. I thought, well, how ridiculous would it be if there was a, a white congressman came up there and said, hey, Janet, y'all, what are you doing for white guys? You know, what are you doing for white men? I mean, I mean, can you imagine the uproar if such a racist or sexist question was asked? But you get, you know, some female black congressman, she comes up there and asks specifically, what are you going to do for blacks? What are you going to do for women? Nothing. You know, nothing sexist or racist about that. But they want to come up there and they want to grandstand and they want to talk about this stuff. The irony of it is that the problems, particularly in the black community, the problems for the high unemployment among blacks, it's not really the Fed that's doing that. I mean, the Fed in general is responsible for elevated unemployment for everybody because their monetary policy is stifling economic growth as they inflate bubbles and prop up Wall Street and the federal government. Uh, they diminish real economic growth. And so that hurts job creation for everybody, black, white, male, female, whatever. But the extra unemployment that we see so pernicious in the black community, that's got nothing to do with the Fed. Right? I don't blame the Fed for everything. That's because of Congress. That's because of the White House. It's the Congresswoman who's asking the question about what the Fed is going to do about black unemployment. It's her and her cronies, her, her, her comrades in Washington, in the House. They're the reason that black unemployment is so high. It's the welfare state. That's not the fault of the Federal Reserve. It's the increase in the minimum wage. That's not the fault of the Federal Reserve. It's all these occupational licensing laws. It's Obamacare. It's all the affirmative action laws. It's all the special privileges uh, for minorities that make it so easy for them to sue their employers. Those are all the things that are responsible for the elevated unemployment. And so it's ironic that you've got these congressmen who are causing the problem lecturing the Fed about what the Fed's going to do about it. I wish Janet Yellen knew enough to put these congressmen in their place and say, look, idiot, it's your stupid le legislation that's causing the problem. Don't expect me to solve your problem. you got to undo all that legislation. But, of course, they're never going to say that. They're always so respectful of these questions, no matter how idiotic they, uh, they happen to be. You know, one of, one, of the, one of the, I think, one of the funnier responses, there was a congressman that was asking what is Janet Yellen doing for the poor? Because, you know, quantitative easing is helping the rich because it's pushing up stock prices. And the poor people don't own stocks. So, yes, you know, this is great for the rich because the rich own stocks. And so what are you doing for the poor? And Janet Yellen said, well, you know, real estate prices are also up as if that's good for the poor. I mean, how are higher home prices good for the poor? According to Janet Yellen, it is. She thinks poor people are benefiting from higher home prices. Maybe Janet Yellen doesn't realize this, but poor people don't own houses. But what they do do is they rent. They usually don't rent houses. They rent apartments. And rents have been going up a lot thanks to the Fed. So the Fed, she thinks the poor people own houses, but they don't. They rent apartments. And rents are going up for the same reason that house prices are going up, for the same reason that stock prices are going up. And that's because the Fed is printing a lot of money. And it's not helping the poor. In fact, if anything, maybe the poor, they don't have any money in the stock market. Maybe they got a little money in the bank. Not much, right, because they're poor, but they got a little, and they're getting no interest thanks to Federal Reserve. And, of course, not only are they not getting any interest, but the cost of living is going up. So the value of their savings is going down. And, of course, most poor people, all they have is their wages if they have a job, if they're working poor. And what is the Federal Reserve doing to the value of wages? 
with all this money printing at artificially low interest rates. Wages are losing value. It's assets that the poor people don't own that are going up in value, but the wages that the poor people earn in exchange for their labor, that's what's going down in value. So everything the Fed is doing is hurting the poor, and of course everything that Congress is doing is hurting the poor, yet they all stand up there and pretend that what they're doing is helping. But I thought the most ridiculous conversation and probably the most telling had to do with the Fed's balance sheet and whether or not at some point in time the Federal Reserve will start to lose money, which of course it will, right? Right now, the Federal Reserve earns about, I don't know, like $100 billion a year. I don't know the exact amount, but I think they were throwing around that number. Let's say $100 billion a year is what the Federal Reserve earns as interest on its portfolio of U.S. Treasuries, mostly U.S. Treasuries. Of course, they got mortgage-backed securities and stuff like that. And of course, thanks to Operation Twist, a lot of these treasuries are long-term, right? They're 10 to 30-year bonds. And so the yields on those that paper, 2% to 3%. Now, what is the Federal Reserve paying uh, banks for their excess reserves? I think it's paying 50 basis points. So there's a big spread there. The Fed is collecting two to 300 basis points on its bonds. It's shelling out 50 basis points uh, to the banks. And the difference is profit. Now, it's able to keep some of that profit. I think it's allowed to make about a 5% profit on its equity. And then the rest of it, it returns to Congress. And Congress gets a big fat check. And now people were saying, well, what would happen if the situation turned and the Fed started losing money? Now, of course, that's a very valid question because that's exactly what is going to happen. The situation is going to turn, and it can turn one or two ways. One is the Federal Reserve has to pay more uh, to banks. Let's say it has to jack interest rates up to 3 or 4 or 5% because inflation is accelerating and the Fed has to step on the brakes, right? It also could be because the economy is picking up, but that ain't going to happen. It's more likely going to be because inflation is getting worse. And so the Fed has to raise rates. Now, all of a sudden, the Fed has to pay the banks 3 or 4%. It's only collecting 2 or 3%. And now that, you know, contango flips around. And now the Fed is losing $100 billion a year. And now what do they do? Instead of sending Congress a check for $100 billion, they send them a bill. And now where is Congress going to get that money? I don't know. They're not going to get it from the Fed because the Fed is the one that's sending them the bill. But here is the real crisis. What happens if inflation really starts to accelerate And the Federal Reserve has to shrink its balance sheet because it needs to sop up a lot of that excess liquidity that's out there, right? It's called open market operations. When the Fed is stimulating, when it's easing, it is expanding the money supply. So it is uh, buying government bonds and creating money and putting new money into circulation. But when it wants to fight inflation, it has to do the reverse. It has to sell government bonds from its portfolio and and mop up the liquidity. So it sells the bonds and it buys back its own paper, its own IOUs, the dollar. Well, what happens when your portfolio is 10, 20, 30-year treasuries and now you have to sell in a rising interest rate environment in order to shrink your balance sheet? You're going to sell at a huge loss. If you bought those bonds when the 30-year yield was 3% and you're selling it when it's 6 or 7%, you're going to take a huge loss. In which case, the Federal Reserve is going to be sending the U.S. Congress a bill, not for $100 billion, but maybe for $500 billion or a trillion. Who knows how much they're going to lose on this portfolio? And, of course, that would be a complete implosion. 
But what Janet Yellen told the congressman was that that was impossible. Congress, she said that, you know, there's nothing to worry about. There's no way we're ever going to lose money on this balance sheet. And then someone said, well, it's impossible. And then she said, well, there's like one circumstance where it could potentially happen, but it's very unlikely. And she said, well, what if the U.S. economy gets really strong and it really starts to grow much faster than we think? And then we have to raise interest rates a little higher than we think. It could mean a slight loss. But then she said, well, that'd be a great problem to have because it means that we have a lot of growth. Well, the possibility that Janet Yellen isn't even considering is what if the reason that the Fed has to raise rates more than it thinks is not because the economy is stronger than it thinks, but because inflation is higher than it thinks. What if we get stagflation? Then, of course, it's a complete catastrophe. But Janet Yellen doesn't even think that's a possibility. How can that be? You know, the Federal Reserve asked the banks to do these stress tests. You know, we want to find out what would happen in a worst-case scenario. Doesn't Janet Yellen even believe in a worst-case scenario? I mean, there's a law called Murphy's Law, right? I'm sure just about everybody listening to this podcast is familiar with Murphy's Law. But in case you're not, Murphy's Law says that anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Now, apparently, Janet Yellen doesn't even know who Murphy is. Right. Because obviously, if it's possible that we can have stagflation, then it's going to happen. And why does the Fed not even have a contingency plan for it? Why does the Fed not even entertain the possibility of stagflation? Now, it's either one or two reasons. One is she actually doesn't believe it. She's actually so dumb and so clueless that she really thinks the situation where inflation picks up without economic growth, that that's actually impossible. Well, there's no way she thinks that. So the only alternative is she knows that even if inflation were to pick up, no matter how high it goes, the Fed will never raise rates. The Fed doesn't care because Janet Yellen knows that if the Fed ever tried to raise rates to rein in inflation, absent strong economic growth, that the whole economy would implode. And rather than doing that, She's just going to allow inflation to run out of control, which is exactly what I've been saying all along. That's what Janet Yellen is looking for. In fact, somebody asked Yellen about Donald Trump's point about default and would that be a disaster? And she said, yes, it would be a real disaster if uh, there was a haircut on U.S. Treasuries. That's a disaster as far as the Fed is concerned. But the Fed thinks nothing about giving people a crew cut, in fact, shaving them bald when it comes to a haircut on the dollar, because that's what she has no qualms about. She thinks it would be bad for the Treasury to not uh, make good on its promises, but it's, it's no problem for the Federal Reserve to totally default on its commitment to defend the value of the dollar, because when the Treasury defaults or if there's a restructuring, the only people who are hurt are the people dumb enough to buy the treasuries in the first place. But when Janet Yellen runs the printing presses nonstop, when we have massive inflation or hyperinflation, everybody dumb enough to have dollars gets hurt. Not just the people who bought treasuries, but the people who bought any U.S. dollar-denominated debt or the people who didn't even buy a bond. They simply stuck their cash under their mattress because even if you got your cash under your mattress, Janet Yellen is gunning for you. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. 
They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.